It's 34 years of marriage. Uh, 36 years of marriage. Well, really good to see you. Greetings to our friends in uh, traditions. I was just in there a few seconds ago, and they were affirming together these words, God is in control. Let's say those words together. God And we're thinking as we continue to uh, work our way through this series, Mysterious Connections, we're looking at the book of Ephesians, and we are thinking this weekend about this subject, how God is too small, at least our vision of him is too small. Two things about this. Uh, First of all, if you are in a small group, you'll you'll see what you think is a typo for the uh, session that you have this week, because there it says your God is too small. I... I invented the title, but then I realized I'd messed up because I don't like preachers who kind of point the finger and say, you're God. You know, you know what I'm talking about here? You get that, that kind of finger pointy thing, and that's really, really quite unhelpful. Uh, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about us. So we changed the title. It's our God is too small. And here, the Apostle Paul, he's been thinking about the great purpose and plan of God. He's been thinking about the power of God, the wisdom of God. We were dead, but now we're alive in Christ. He's talked about this, this open mystery of Jews and Gentiles together in the church. And now he, uh, he bursts into a prayer for his friends in Ephesus. So let's take a look at this, Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 14, Paul says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, and everyone said, Amen. How many of you, if the phone rings in the middle of the night, say it's halfway through the night, you are fast asleep, your telephone rings, and you freak out and panic? How many of you are, are like that? Just a few. Uh, it happened to me uh, this week. I was fast asleep. Uh, it was 1.30 in the morning, and suddenly I heard my cell phone ringing, not in our bedroom, but somewhere in the house. Are you like me? If your phone rings in the middle of the night, fear runs through your mind at a speed that is faster than any Wi-Fi connection. You know what I'm talking about? In my imagination, in, in about two seconds flat, all kinds of disasters were, were running through my mind, and I, I leapt out of bed and I, the, the bedroom was dark, obviously, so I bumped into some furniture in the dark. And I praised the Lord and I rejoiced for my concussion. And 
Then I answered the phone, and there's a little voice on the phone. He says, hello, sir, this is Fred from Baggage Services. I'm ten minutes away from you. And I said, what? Who? And I suddenly remembered that an unnamed airline, which I will not mention, on a recent flight had damaged my bag. And so they'd agreed to repair it. And now they are delivering an, uh, a bag to me in the middle of the night. And I said, Fred, it's, it's the middle of the night and it's an empty bag, is it not? He said, yes, it is, sir. It's the middle of the night. It is an empty bag, but they told me to deliver it to you. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Praise the Lord, I cried for the second time. Well, I, I kind of waited around, and he called back three more times. And finally he arrived, and we have a joyful reunion with my prodigal bag. It was a beautiful moment. And I, it was, he said, I'm really sorry to wake you up. I said, Fred, it's not your fault. You're just doing what you were told. You're just doing your job, and I appreciate it. No worry at all. But as, as, he, uh, as he went on to his next assignment, and I picked up my empty bag, I suddenly realized that someone at Airline Baggage Central had decided unthinkingly to send me an empty bag. I mean, if you ever lose your bags, you want them whatever time. But this is empty, and someone had unthinkingly just dispatched him to do their job. They didn't think. One of the themes of Ephesians, particularly in chapter 3, and it comes across in the New Living Translation, is that Paul thinks a lot. He's, he's thinking, he's thinking. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, when I think of. Chapter 3, verse 14, when I think of. And his thinking leads him very, very quickly into prayer, from exposition, thoughtful exposition, onto intercession. And look at verse 14, he says, when I think of all this... I fall to my knees and pray. This was fairly radical language. Jews did not normally kneel when they prayed. They would normally stand. And so kneeling to pray, it actually indicates a, a real passion, a real intensity. So Jesus knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Ezra knelt in repentance. Kneeling symbolizes a real sense of urgency Paul is kneeling to pray. And if you want to summarize what his prayer is about, it goes like this, really. God is bigger. And God is greater than we ever thought possible. You see, I think too often our God is too small. And it's not that he is too small, but our vision of him is we miniaturize him, we marginalize him. It's the human condition. We we, we have this sense of the greatness of God, but somehow we reduce that down. We, we miniaturize it. Anyone remember that, that, that epic, awesome, classic, deep movie? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. What a literary classic that was. Honey, we shrunk God. We've shrunk God down. Israel began with a God who could part the waters of the Red Sea. Awesome! Wide screen. And then within days, as Moses goes up the mountain for a conversation with God, they end up worshipping a golden calf. They miniaturize. And I think that that can happen to us. The headlines seem bigger than God. We read about airstrikes and ISIS and volatile stock markets and an Ebola outbreak. And 
we are rightly concerned. But if we're not careful, the headlines can be bigger than God. And our own challenges closer at home, the pressures that we face can make God seem small. And and sometimes it's just our busyness. Our busyness, because we're addicted to activity. Do you know, uh, I don't know how they figured this out, but do you know how many times on average... How many people here have got smartphones? You've got, you know, you've got an iPhone or whatever. Just, just, you can respond. That's good. Do you know the average number of times that people look at their smartphones every day? 150 times a day. In fact, now I've mentioned it, some of you are feeling kind of twitchy right now. You're thinking, oh, I haven't checked it for nine minutes. What am I going to do? And because of our business, because of our challenges, because of our headlines, we end up with a small God. And the Apostle Paul is praying, no, I'm praying, he's saying, that you'll have a vision of the great big God. So let's unpack that. Dive in with me if you're looking, following in the bulletin. Number one, that means that we're partners in the impossible. We are partners in the impossible, but remember, I'm saying here, remember Paul's zip code. I'll come back to that in a moment. We're partners in the impossible, but remember Paul's zip code. Let's jump to verse 20. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I've, I've always wanted to be a superhero. I think that'd be kind of cool. I'd love to walk up to somebody and introduce myself by saying, hello, my name is Bond. James Bond. I think that would be cool. But there are a number of problems with that. First of all, I do not have the facial arrangement of Piers Brosnan. I rejoice with him in his handsomeness. Uh, Not only that, my name isn't James Bond, so I'd be lying. It doesn't work, does it? And there's there's, there's additional problems. If I ended up on a train duking it out with someone with stainless steel teeth, with an approaching tunnel, there's always an approaching tunnel. The first time they slapped me, I'd sit down and cry for my mother. It really would mess up the movie. I kind of really like to be Superman. Wouldn't that be cool? To be Superman, up, up, and away. But it's never going to happen because I can't be bothered to maintain a kryptonite-free diet. That would be a hassle. And then me and blue pantyhose. Get that image out of your mind right now. I'm never going to be Superman, but you know what? I can be what you can be. We can be Hooperman and Hooper women. You say, what? Have you finally lost it? Well, the word that Paul uses here when he says God is able to do it infinitely more is the word hooper in the Greek. It's the word from which we get our word hyper, hyperactive, hyperspace. It's one of the Apostle Paul's super superlatives. He is saying you can be hooper people experiencing a God who is able to do so much more than you can even ask or imagine. Did you know that faith takes imagination? That's why, the, that's why God took Abraham and said, look up at the stars, see if you can count them. He's stirring Abraham's imagination 
to allow him to realize that things could be different from what they were and that his elderly wife, Sarah, who I think was in her 80s at that time, could actually have a baby. You see, faith says what is, it doesn't always have to stay that way when God is around. You know, one of the things that we lose as we grow up, and someone said that adults are children with layers, is that we lose our imaginations. I recently went on a trip to Australia. Just a few weeks ago in a pirate ship, and we fired cannons at passing crocodiles, and we had to swim in shark-infested waters, and we, we had lunch. We had fried flying fish. And we did all of that without leaving the underside of our dining room table. Because with grandson Stanley and Alex, we went on that trip in our imaginations. And we adults lose our capacity to imagine. Imagination is part of faith. But listen up really carefully. That does not mean if you can dream it, you can do it. And that does not mean if you can imagine it, God will do it. God is not a genie in a bottle. God does, is, is not just about the business of fulfilling our dreams. A, a healthier approach is to realize that God wants to fulfill his dream through us. Paul is talking about this God of the impossible. But remember his zip code. He's in Rome. He's in prison. He's on death row. And isn't it true, brothers and sisters, that often that's where we find ourselves. We find ourselves powerless. And yet, as we are powerless, nevertheless, we affirm the powerful God. That's not just a metaphor here. That's the reality of this text. And what that means is that we trust God when we believe in his power and it doesn't come. Isn't that boring? Believing in God's power and feeling powerless and nothing changes. And I meet Christians when they, when they encounter that, they've got all kinds of responses. I got sick and I discovered some Christians think if they just shout in the name of Jesus, that that will bring the power down. Like, you know, God's really impressed with a bit of volume. Yeah, that's, that's really good. When I got sick, I put it on Facebook. And people started rebuking Satan on Facebook. And I, I didn't even know Satan was on Facebook. <laughs> or they look for a quick blockage of the, you haven't got enough faith. Or there must be sin in your life. Or, or they'll say, just, just say that it's happening. You know, confess it, even if it's not. You know what, that's, forgive me, but that's kind of silly. I can confess all I like that I have the long, blonde, flowing hair of a rock star. But it isn't true, honey. I've got a shrinking peninsula. That's what I've got. <laughs> Faith is not about denying a reality. Faith is about affirming at times that we're in prison, but he's still powerful. It's about partnering with him in prayer and service. It's about us doing that individually and us doing it together because both are contained in these texts. And so what is this about? It's about being partners in the impossible. I want you to know that next weekend, 
Next weekend, we are going to have a special time at the end of our service of prayer for the sick. That, that opportunity is always available, but we're going, to, we're going to have a special time of anointing with oil and prayer for the sick. Because we believe in a God of power. And it's going to be normal and it's not going to be weird and I'm not going to put on my in the name voice. Because God won't be impressed. But we're going to just be the church. Because he is powerful. You with me in that? You with me in that? Secondly, knowing the father who's unlike any human father. Knowing the father who is unlike any human father. Paul says, when I think of this, I fall to my knees And pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Very simply, the alphabet of Christianity begins with F for Father. I've said it here many times, I'm going to say it again. God never teaches us that he is a father like your dad. Because for some of us, that statement is extremely painful. And we don't want a father like our dad. The Bible always teaches us that he is a father like no other father. Wayne Jacobson says, I think very powerfully, it may take a while, but God can help us to define his fatherhood based not on the failed record of broken humanity, but on what it is to be loved by the most awesome father in the universe. Beautiful words. It may take A while. And you know, when we were singing earlier about running into his arms in this service, that's not just a bit of romantic, poetic, sentimental greeting card theology. That's true. We can't feel his arms, and yet we are invited to trust in his fatherhood, his good fatherhood, because he's the running father of Luke 15. You ever wonder why the father ran in the story of the prodigal son? It's because the villagers would have gathered to welcome the prodigal home with a ceremony called the Kazaza ceremony. It was a ceremony of judgment and condemnation. They'd hold a jar with parched nuts and corn in front of his face. They'd smash the jar into a thousand pieces. And they would say, you are now dead to us, you are banished from this village. So why does the father in the story run? He runs because mercy wins the race over judgment. Aren't you glad? He's father and Paul is praying for a revelation of that. Thirdly, Paul talks about our being strengthened within and filled by the power of the spirit. Strengthened within and filled by the power of the Spirit. Verse 16. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. Verse 19. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Fullness, the fullness of God, is a theme of Ephesians and Colossians. Filled with God. Radical stuff. In the Old Testament the Holy Spirit came upon people. Upon Samson, upon Gideon. But now Paul is talking about our being filled with the Spirit and about an inward work. You see, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, Christianity is not just about behaving right on the outside. We can all fake it for a while, can't we? And sometimes we fake it 
on Sunday mornings when we come in here. If you're a family person, you drive to church with your children and biblical prophecy is being fulfilled in your car because the battle of Armageddon is taking place in the back. And you are telling the kids, would you just straighten up? And you are grounding them for life and threatening them that they will never have any pocket money until they're 50. And your temper is frayed and you're a little aggressive. Then you pull into Timberline. You get out of your car. (laughs) Great to see you. And your kids are looking at you, wondering where the demons have gone. Christianity is not about faking it. It's about this inward transformation. Have you ever been in a moment of severe temptation? And suddenly you felt this compulsion within. And it's not just your conscience prohibiting you. It is the Holy Spirit empowering you to make the right choice. Because Christianity is a supernatural business. It's not just about us following a set of ethics, but it's about us being empowered by the Spirit. Can I just pause for a moment and, and just say to someone here, Sir, why, why are you trying to do that by yourself? Why are you trying to give up that addiction by yourself? Did you not know that if you become a follower of Jesus, He will give you His Spirit and there will be... That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, available and active in you. That's what Paul is praying that they will understand. Fourthly, fourthly, he talks about being at home with Christ who lives in our hearts through faith. At home with Christ who lives in our hearts through faith. Verse 17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him your roots will grow down into God's love and keeps, keep you strong. Uh, Stanley, our oldest grandson, uh, forgive me for mentioning my grandchildren twice in one message, but grandparents here will understand. We're besotted and obsessed, are we not? Stanley's uh, almost six and we talked to him about Jesus living inside him. And he said, if Jesus is living inside me, granddad, does that mean he's eating my food? We had to explain a few theological issues to him. The Apostle Paul is talking here about Jesus making his home in your heart. Now, now think about this. He's talking to believers. So haven't they got Jesus in their hearts? Well, yes, they have. But there's a very interesting little nuance here in the text. You see, there are two words, two Greek verbs that can be used for someone living somewhere. The first one is poroiko, which means to inhabit a place as a stranger, to be an an alien living away from home, to pop in to a motel and stay there and then leave. Poroiko. And then there is ketoikio, which means to settle down somewhere, to feel at home, to establish your residence. Here the Apostle Paul is saying, I pray that Jesus will feel at home with you and within your heart. Elsewhere in Scripture, this whole idea that we are the temple of God is elaborated, sometimes shockingly, 
The Apostle Paul talks about not taking our bodies and joining them with a prostitute. Why? Because we are part of Christ and he is, or rather I should say, Christ lives in us by his spirit. And we are part of his body. So would we take that body and do that stuff with that body? It's a simple challenge, isn't it, really? Are we using our bodies? Are we taking them places that makes Jesus feel at home? It's a powerful challenge. Well, the last point is this, number five, rooted and grounded in love. The love beyond measure. Rooted and grounded in love, the love beyond measure. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be able to be made complete, or then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Uh, you probably don't know this, but I used to play guitar in a Christian rock band. It was terrible. Uh, it was hideous. And then I developed from there, and I became a worship leader. And it was horrendous. When I led worship, people would cry out to God, and... For silence, you know, not because they enjoyed it. And finally, a friend came to me and, and said, you know what, you need to quit this. This is not your gift. When you lead worship, people's hearts ache and their ears bleed. It is, it is not a good thing. But, you know, when I was a kid playing guitar, there was one particular little guitar riff, you know, little piece that I always wanted to play in a band. And just as we're coming to an end here, I wonder if you might recognize that particular piece of music. Here it is. is folks in the last service last night a lot more of them knew the answer to that question it was Huey Lewis and the news the power of love and some of you are sitting there going why don't we just forget the rest of the sermon and just listen to the music I can I can tell that the power of love the apostle Paul as he writes to the Ephesians here he's he is saying I want you to know the power, not of love in some kind of generic way, but I want you to know that the power that there is in knowing the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge. And he uses two metaphors, one of a building foundation, one of the roots of a plant. And he is saying, I need to see you rooted in that love and built on the foundation of that love. I wonder how many of us know today God loves us right now. He's big in power. He's big in grace. He's big, he's big, he's big. And he's big in love. I thought it would be kind of nice to allow 
some children to minister to us at the end of this service, just a little different. And uh, it's not going to happen live, but um, there's a children's song that we sing quite a lot in adult-focused services back in the UK. Uh, So why don't you just put your Bibles down and whatever, and uh, just for the next 60 seconds, allow the children to minister this truth to us, that God is big. Have a listen. God is a great big God. up in the middle of the night tonight with that buzzing around in our heads. Our God is a great big God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for this truth which is simple and yet complex that you are big, bigger than we can ever imagine. Allow that truth especially the truth of your love, to be our roots, to be our foundation. We agree together in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Here's what I'd like us to do, a little different. Some of us, figuratively speaking, are in prison, but we still believe in his power. doesn't mean necessarily that literally we're in prison, but we are in situations... Please listen really carefully to this. You can join us as well with this in traditions. You're in a situation where you feel powerless. I think it's really important that there are moments when feeling powerless, we yet still proclaim his power. We do do so fully aware of this here that we're in. Yet we say, God, even though I'm in this, I declare by faith that you are the powerful God so very simply I don't want us to hesitate on this if that's where you find yourself today maybe there's a a medical issue you feel powerless there are other issues in your life someone that you care about a relationship you feel powerless but you want to declare today you want this opportunity to declare his power I'm going to ask you very quickly please don't hesitate that's where you find yourself I'm going to ask you just to quietly stand to your feet right now just begin to do it wherever you are I'm powerless in this but I'm declaring his power some of us physically can't stand and that's fine God sees 
your heart and your response where you are. I'm powerless. But I'm affirming today his power. You will see people around you standing. I want to ask you very quickly. I want you to be astute about this, if you will, Timberline family. I don't want anyone to be standing by themselves. I don't want you to pray for them. I want a bit of holy chaos in this place. Just get up from where you are and go and stand and put your hand on their shoulder. Would you do that right now? Right away, please. Let's move around. You may have never done this before. Well, don't be embarrassed. It's really okay. It's pretty normal. Now we're going to pray. Allow me to lead us. Lord, would you please look and see declarations of power, powerlessness. Declarations of people who feel helpless in certain situations. You know what they are, but they are standing to their feet. They are responding to you because they want to make a statement of faith that you are able. That you are able. So whatever they feel today and however insurmountable the mountain might seem, we pray that you will strengthen them and that you will enlarge their vision of you. We pray for breakthroughs. We pray for interventions. And we pray especially today for a great sense of the love of God. So we agree together in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, everyone say, Amen. And then they sat down really rather quickly. Great. Thank you for doing that. We have a great deacon team.